This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Microsoft is incorporating more artificial intelligence features to Windows 11. The latest update features an integrated assistant called Copilot. I'm good at speaking Popilot, Copilot. So there's some specific features for PC users. Copilot will give you the ability to open apps, switch to dark mode, turn on Bluetooth, and give you some guidance on making a screenshot. There are going to be some features that coordinate with the Edge browser as well. You can ask Copilot to come up with a summary of what's on a web page. Marco Pasqua and Elizabeth Moeller have thoughts on Copilot and a smattering of other stories. Good morning, Marco. Good morning, Dave. And also saying hello to Elizabeth. Good morning, Dave. So I want to start this at the personal level. Marco, I talked about a couple of the features that are available there with Copilot. How would you see yourself using a feature like Copilot? Well, I mean, doesn't everybody fantasize having their own personal assistant, Dave, right? Oh, my so, gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think, like, you know, we've we've seen things in sci-fi movies for years now where they're able to to do tasks for you that we could only imagine or dream of. And I think that we're starting to get closer to that. Um, I would love to see the integration of Copilot because they're already using their Microsoft uh, Office 365. So it could help you with things like preparing uh, contracts or proposals, which I think is really cool. And it's starting to like push into the market of where Dragon Naturally Speaking uh, used to do things where you could basically ask your computer to do something. And if you had that software installed from an accessible perspective it could open up programs for you and do all of those things so i think just the overall integration of how you conduct yourself in life or in business uh with a little bit of accessibility mixed in there if that makes sense yeah it's it's, it's one of these things where it's not necessarily explicit accessibility but elizabeth that's why i talked about that feature that coordinates with microsoft edge for example that says hey give me a summary a summary of what this web page says it's essentially like having a little bit of a screen reader friend you know what? It's true. A little help from our AI friends. But I, I think what I love about the summary piece, and I would use it, is sometimes websites are really cluttered. And I just want to know what's on it, but I have to go through links, and I have to go through those hamburger mm. menus, and I have to go through those PowerPoint slideshow things that are on the that are on sort of uh, carousels, right? So that would be really helpful just for me to know, is this, a, is this something I want to browse more deeply? And then, of course, I would use my own technology and my own reading skills to go through the page. But the summary, I think, can really help. The other thing I loved was the Bluetooth ability yes. because I find mm -hmm. every computer update, I'm going, where is this thing? Where is dark mode? Where is Bluetooth? <laughs> so having an ability to say, hey, AI co-pilot friend or po-pilot, if you're uh, in, in the Dave Brown sphere, <laughs> you know, turn, that would be really helpful because I waste so much time doing that. And the other thing for yep. me that's huge as a blind person is screen sh screenshots. Like when people say, can you take a screenshot half the time mine out blurry or my fingers are in them so getting that guidance and i'm starting to see that with um be my eyes that the ai feature be my ai that for me is going to be a game changer 
You know, Marco, mm -hmm. I also found a lot of that interesting in terms of a broader implication. When you're talking about something like Copilot, just making it easier to engage and interact with your technology. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the same boat as Elizabeth, where I'm looking for like a little tab or a little nodule so to, do, to do something as simple as putting on a Bluetooth or trying to figure out a dark mode thing. When I think about sort of the ease of use and the ease of interaction, that really strikes me as a meaningful broader implication of technology like this becoming more mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, as they start to integrate more real uh, world sounding voices in the AI where it can communicate back to you audibly, I mean, you're actually going to feel as though you're you're uh, interacting with some sort of being um, that over time can get to know you better. And I know that there's obviously, you know, things you want to be careful of when it comes to privacy and the information mm -hmm. that you are feeding these large language models. But I really do think from an optimistic perspective, there's a lot of positive benefits with this technology. And for many people, to actually feel as though they have a friend or colleague that lives within their computer that can support <laughs> them with these things is a really positive thing overall. Elizabeth, I think you started to allude to it already, but what are some of the broader implications with this kind of technology, this kind of artificial intelligence in terms of day-to-day -day technology? Yeah, for sure, ease of use. It reminds me of a saying that, you know, everyone else is convenience is our accessibility and it's true so i think there's a big piece there but i think the the other piece is the affordability right and, and marco touched on it but like assistive technology drag and dictate uh jaws whatever is so expensive so to be able to have this built in that's a huge implication not just for people with sight loss but perhaps for people that are trying to test out to see is this something i'd use you don't want to buy a piece of software only to find out nope this isn't for me so i think that's a huge implication like just baking accessibility or baking this ease of use right in and i think the other piece um you know in terms of broader implications is just thinking about um you know how we navigate the web and making that a lot more seamless for everybody, I think is, is going to yes. be really helpful. Yeah. yeah, Marco, it always comes down to ease, right? Fundamentally, when you talk yes. about the, the, the use case for any piece of technology, is this easy to use? Is this easy to understand? And now I've not taken Copilot for a test drive yet or a test flight, if you will, but, I, <laughs> but, but I'm actually considering updating my computer to Windows 11 yeah, just to give this a crack. Like, I like Windows 10 quite a bit, but uh, I get sort of the daily ask from my computer, are you ready to update to Windows 11? And something like this might actually get me to do that. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you, Dave. I, I've heard a lot of, you know, smatterings about how Windows 11 has some bugs or some things that they need to work out. And there was a lot of, you know, not malware, but definitely like ads and various things that are being pushed to you in Windows 11 that you're not experiencing with the previous versions of Windows. But this is really smart from Microsoft's team in terms of getting people to adopt and kind of head over to Windows 11 to really see what it's all about. And I mean, they did a really smart thing by investing early in OpenAI uh, because it was really the go-to for AI when, when AI started to be really talked about in the mainstream. And, and I think that it is showing to be a very strong uh, you know organization. They had their development conference just the other day. Um, they're opening up their market for uh, independent developers to develop for uh, OpenAI and GPTs that interact with Windows, uh, which are basically just programs that can interact and do other things like order pizza for you based oh, yeah. on just saying, hey, I want pepperoni, <laughs> no whatever. Pineapple. Like all of those things, they're, they're actually creating a marketplace. Um, I heard someone say this, this is their iPhone moment right now, OpenAI, mm -hmm. as basically yeah. this is their opportunity to create a whole new industry. Right. So it is exciting and I'm looking forward to see what happens. Oh, okay. You said the words in that answer, invest 
investing. So let's turn to investing in infrastructure. The Ontario government is creating an infrastructure bank. The government is putting $3 billion up front into the fund. They're looking for other partners to pony up more dough to fund things like building long-term care homes and public transit. Finance Minister Peter Bethenfalvy lays out what kind of investors they're looking for. A new arms-length agency, the bank, will leverage investments by public sector pension plans and other trusted institutional investors to help fund large-scale infrastructure projects right across the province. So Elizabeth, I'll lay this out. I'll lay my cards on the table. I think this is overall a goodish idea. I think infrastructure mm -hmm. banks do make some sense to maybe change a little bit of the procurement process and getting things funded and done quickly. But where I become a little bit concerned is the idea of a public pension plan putting mm -hmm. dollars into something that might not actually have a, ret a, a real financial return on investment. There, there could be a societal return on investments, but I'm sorry, I wouldn't want my pension dollars going into something that's not guaranteed to actually make it money. That's me playing my cards on the table right off the top. That's my premise. How would you feel about your pension dollars funding what would normally just be a government-funded project? Yeah, I think for me, uh, I'm a bit of a fence sitter. On the one hand, if there was a possibility that there was a return on investment or that the pension would get some profit back, great. If not, I agree it's concerning. But also more broadly, I have concerns with, um, you know, pension funds. Uh, um, funding things like, for example, long-term care, I worry about, you know, um, the idea of privatization. So I, I do, I, I'm a little bit, I, I guess I'm a bit of a fence sitter on this one because I absolutely see some concerns, but where, you know, there was, if there's a possibility that there is a good return on investment, that I'm all for it. Yeah, Marco, I, I see where Elizabeth's coming from in terms of that, that fence sitting, because there's some morsels of a really good idea here. And I acknowledge yeah. an infrastructure deficit that exists. But when I think about pension, I think about security of those dollars and and I, I just don't know if actually just building long-term care homes is going to pay some kind of significant dividend to a pension plan. And that's the thing, Dave. I mean, this this a little bit actually boils my blood because I think that as Canadians, we pay so much in taxes and various things already that we want to make sure that we have that security when we get older. And so I would be furious to know that my pension is, you know, supporting to fund this because we were investing in ourselves to make sure that we have security and, and various things like this. And so, yes, if those dollars are being spent in the ways in which we're hoping they are, then absolutely that all makes sense. However, there's this this is not the first time that uh, the government is misappropriating funds uh, or, or making the wrong decisions. Uh, so, you know, that's where my concern comes in with both of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's like just a reasonable thing to say, right? That like you can't be messing around with people's money that's supposed to be secure, especially because things like building public transit, that's the government's responsibility. Exactly. And it's always yes. a boondoggle. Elizabeth, when was the Crosstown LRT supposed to open in Toronto? Like 2016? Oh, 2016 like, when is it opening maybe uh, next I, year I, I have no I, you know what yeah i'll believe it when i see it yeah you know how about that so yeah so how would i feel about my pension dollars being caught in that boondoggle right now we don't like, have enough yeah. time on this segment to answer that question dave okay, okay. Let, 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 let's play this game a little bit though elizabeth i'm putting you in control of the infrastructure oh, bank What's your priority? What do you want to build? What, what's, what's Elizabeth Moeller wanting to build if you were the czar of infrastructure? Oh, my goodness. Um, 
you know, I will say if I, if I was the czar, as much as I, um, I worry about it, I think we, we absolutely do, do need better and more long-term care homes, but mm. I think the devil would be in the details. How is it built? And is it built in a way that's actually going to, um, not be a for-profit situation where people's care needs aren't actually being met. So I would say that, but I would say that the devil would be in the details. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marco, anyone who listens to this show on the regular will know my answer. It's going to be trains, 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 no planes and automobiles, a limited plane. Trains, limited automobiles, trains, 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 trains. The the Windsor Quebec City corridor needs to be trained up in a big way with tons of high-speed rail. I even think there's a case to be made to connect Vancouver to the interior mainland in a more effective mm. way. I know the Rocky Mountains get in the way and there's like ocean around your neck of the woods, which, you know, <laughs> makes things a little tricky. But trains, 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 even through the prairies. Like, it, why aren't we connecting Winnipeg to Edmonton in a way that doesn't take a day and a half to get there? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I, first of all, I've always been a big believer that public transit should actually be uh, included with the taxes that we already pay. So I feel like anybody should be able to go on to a general bus or things like this. But, you know, trains for longer travel, like you're saying, 100% in terms of making sure that infrastructure is there. Um, now, if I was the czar, Dave, I would certainly say um, that we need more health infrastructure for public health yes. clinics because people are uh, lacking uh, when it comes to having mm. uh, their own independent mm. doctors. Uh, you already mentioned social housing, but we do have a housing crisis in this country uh, that individuals just need homes and we don't have enough building going on to sustain that, right? Um, then I would look at our, our energy and utilities uh, from the aspect of EV vehicles. We're being told that we all need to have EV vehicles and we don't have the grid to support that. So that would be 100% something that I would look into because honestly, I don't want to have our cities having brownouts across the country simply because our grid can't sustain that. Mm. And then lastly, I would look into things like broadband internet and fiber optics uh, in rural areas because I feel that uh, access to the internet is a fundamental right for human beings at this point uh, from an aspect of sustainability for jobs, employment, and elements like that. So those are some areas that I would start with if I was the czar <laughs> in, in this direction. Elizabeth, yeah. Elizabeth, you and I had good answers, but I think Marco's getting the job in that job interview. That was a good answer. I think you're right. <laughs> Marco's literally sitting back and flexing as he knows he knows how good that answer was. That's top tier. Okay. I'm just saying, Dave, it's a Wednesday. I'm feeling good. Feeling good on a Wednesday. Okay, guys, one more thing. Not really a news story. It's an observation. Uh, Christmas and the holiday season already out in full force. Commercials, markets, displays, all that jazz, all of it. It's November the 8th. It's November the 8th. Marco, how early is too early for all this holiday spirits? Right now. No, I'm just joking. Uh well, to be honest, in some areas, it's crazy how the, uh, you know, the mall industry of, of the world uh, immediately, well, as soon as they get an opportunity, those decorations are going up. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, I like to steer away from the consumerism aspect of it. And if you want to... Uh, create settings in in shopping centers that are encouraging me to be more social with friends, to grab cocos, to grab my favorite seasonal drink. I have no problem with that. But the real push um, for consumerism, I've always had an issue with. Although I don't mind some of the deals that we used to see on things like Black Friday. Mm. Uh, you know that mm -hmm. we get crossover from from the states. Um, the deals can be good, but it's no longer the thing that I suggest anyone wait hours on end in massive lineups for. Um, and that's why they invent 
mentioned Cyber Monday as well. So when it comes to Christmas and things, I'm all for Christmas, but I think that it, it becomes all a bit too much uh, when you come in super, super early. But I, I, I do like the feeling it gives you. I, I like that you mentioned Black Friday, Marco. I was watching American College Football over the weekend, and uh, Black Friday sales starts this Wednesday, like today, November the 8th. They're already doing Black Friday. I'm like, you guys missed the memo. Friday is in the name. You can't do it on Wednesday, November the 8th. It was like some major electronics retailer. I'm like, that's absurd. Uh, Elizabeth, I know I come off as a little bit of a Grinch when I bring this topic to the table, but how early is too early oh, for Mr. all the holidays? That's it. You know what? Uh, <laughs> it's all good. I, I feel like it's disrespectful to do it before Remembrance Day. That's that's a me thing. Mm -hmm. I think that there needs to be some time in between Halloween and um, Remembrance Day to reflect. And I think that we don't do that enough. Um, and I, especially with what's going on in the world now, I feel very strongly that that needs to have that space. Um, I'm not a purist. I wouldn't say wait till December 1st, but I, I feel like I said very strongly about Remembrance Day um, having some space. And I also feel like we need better sort of cross holiday jingles and happiness. It's all very sort of <laughs> hegemonic around Christmas and I'm, mm, I'm all yeah. for Christmas, but I'm also very aware I have lots of friends that aren't. And it, it actually can feel quite exclusionary, like even everything from oh. the malls, having the Santas and the Christmas trees and the blah, blah, blah. So I, I do think not only do we perhaps need to wait a little bit before, but we need to really think about how we're promoting the holiday season in a more inclusive way. After the show, Elizabeth, remind me to uh, send you an email with a few of my favorite Hanukkah songs because there are a couple. Oh, there, there are a couple really good ones. Uh, growing up in English Montreal, I uh, I spent quite a few time, uh, quite a bit of time at Hanukkah dinners and absolutely loved it. Hey, Marco, Elizabeth, thank you both for this. Marco, have a great day out there in Vancouver. You as well. And Elizabeth, you're also in BC. Have a great day in Victoria. <laughs> I will do. Look at this, the Pacific time zone. Marco Pasqua is the co-founder of Meaningful Access Consulting. Elizabeth Moeller is the founder of EM Disability Consulting. Coming up after the break, Alex Smythe has questions all about olive oil. A rash of oil thefts? Is that what's going on? Oh my gosh, olive oil thefts. Thievery with Alex Smythe on Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.